Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. It's P and Q here. I'm Philippa Hall, not a vegan and not a nun. And I'm Quentin Rayner, who P looks at and wonders, he's in his prime. <clears throat> yes. And when it comes to old bangers, there's you lot, our lovely Dumpty Dummers. Dumpty Dum is the people's podcast. And on this episode, we have nine caller innerers, WhatsApp innerers and email innerers. We hear from Richard, who sees red flags at Grey Gables. Tracy, who's loved up by the lovebirds. Jen, who's doubly worried about Helen. Jenny, who's bridging two bridges. Witherspoon, who asks some age-old questions. Paul, who says we need to talk about parents. Sarah, who's got her sights on Sykes. Catherine, on the checks and balances in the archers. And Sue, who's worried about what might happen in the bull. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Suey, a roundup of the Dum De Dum Facebook group by Ben from Shanghai, and the three Twitter gongs, Bronze, Silver and Gold, awarded by Purple Pumpkin. Now, before Quentin and I start chatting too much, let's remind ourselves of what happened this week with a roundup of The Week in Ambridge from our Suey. Hello, lovely people. It's Suey here, Queen Ortar on the Twitters and another week in Ambridge. On Sunday, Pat made birth bourguignon for Helen, which she made valiant attempts to give back before finally palming off on Natasha. Over at number six, the green, Mia and Brad consummated their relationship. It's a Philippa week, so I changed how I described that for her sensibilities. Stella was jealous of Mia's puppy love and tripped to the shop to buy Brad breakfast. Oh, bless. Ben is leaving the laurels to return to university and Sykes' nose was put right out of joint. Surely there are protocols and procedures at once to deal with this sort of thing. Henry and Pat had a long conversation proving that he is much more of a sensible adult than Helen ever was. He's never going to contact Rob again and is sorry for causing trouble. Helen damaged him rather a lot with her harsh words last week. They kind of kissed and made up and played football on the computer. Henry went easily on her. 
Sizey tried to give Ben a check, then fell over and broke his hip. Mia and Brad were all lovey-dovey at college, then George interrupted and insisted that he and Brad met up at the bull on Friday. He is going to be more respectful after the dramas over the video, apparently. Anyone fancy a sweepstake on how long you can keep that up? Back at number six, the green, Susan demanded her book, Lark Rise to Candleford, back from where it has been propping up the table since the car boot sale. She was right put out when Tracy refused. Later, Chelsea obviously retrieved it and is reading it, or trying to read it, the equivalent of climbing Everest. She clearly needs to get some advice from Emma on the subject of English literature. Anyway, Tracy's going to get another copy, like a lot of people on Dumpty Dum, and they can read it together. I've downloaded it onto my Kindle, ready to join in. Pat told Helen that she knew about the beef bourguignon and says she looks thinner, then encouraged her to do something about her descent back into her eating disorder after Helen volunteered to eat a whole packet of biscuits just to prove a point. Helen rang the GP, despite Pat's best effort to tell her she's just marvellous and it's all great. Ben is having some jitters about going back to university, but at least made up with Sykesy. He's going to be going somewhere else, and they don't know where yet. Pip and Stella are still seeing each other, and Ruth is flipping clueless. They went to the pub where Pip got a bit giddy, and Stella tried to stop her, and Ruth still didn't work out what was going on. George was an utter arse, trying to manoeuvre Brad towards an ash blonde, who he really wasn't interested in, and then Mia showed up to whisk Brad off for a night of passion. Young love, eh? Well, till next week then, my lovelies, and I hope it's a good one. Thank you so much for that, Suey. That was great. And are you saying thank you? Are you are you saying thank you to Suey because she used lovely euphemisms in there? Continuate <laughs> and passion. Huh? I am very grateful. I messaged her last night to say thank <laughs> you. Unlike you, who has deliberately gone and changed the script to include as many naughty things that I shall endeavour to avoid saying. Well, but they're not anyway. that naughty, Philippa. <laughs> we have to say happy birthday. Before we do anything else, Thank happy you. birthday. Quentin. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. I mean, what finer call of duty is there to spend your birthday recording Dumpty Dum? If anybody doubted <laughs> my commitment, here's proof in the pudding. So thank you very much. Yes, yes. Comfortably in my 60s now. But, you know, at which point you come in there, Philip, and say, well, you don't look it, I think is, is your cue to say that there. Oh, really? It's not in the script, so no, I, it's not I better not. Okay. No. You can't have spontaneity on this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> you're now going to ask me what I did this week, aren't you? Well, I was just that thinking, is in the script. yes, it is. How's your week been? What have you been up to? <laughs> oh, that's spontaneous, isn't it? A varied week, Philippa. It started with a bike ride around part of Rutland Water with our eldest daughter, which was lovely. I'd recommend Rutland Water if ever you're in that neck of the woods. And Rutland anyway, it's beautiful. And then later in that week, the next day, in fact, we went to the cinema with our eldest daughter to watch a film called Scrapper because she got her first film credit on that, our daughter, because she was the clap loader on that film. So it was fun to watch a film with our daughter who worked on it. It was lovely. And I played tennis three times. So yeah, keeping keeping the, the temple honed as ever. So, and yeah, and it's my birthday. So yeah, it's a busy week. And at this point, the script says, and what have you done this week, Philippa, do tell. <laughs> Thanks. 
Oh, it's been a week of airports, I suppose. I went away to Menorca oh, yes. for a couple of nights, which was, yes. well, it was wonderful apart from the tornado, but never mind, <laughs> you can't have everything. And so, yes, flew back there and then went back to the airport last night to pick up girlfriend of son. Right. And that was nice. I filmed their reunion as they got in the way of everybody with their very heavy suitcases, but it was all very nice. Okay. Got back. Edited Dumpty Dum, and here we are. Busy, busy, busy. So it was a bit of a Brad and Mia moment at the airport then? It was. It was so sweet. Bless. Was Son grateful for Mum driving all that way to pick up Girlfriend? He was, actually. Good. He's been very pleasant to me over the last 24 hours, so I'm taking that as a win, yes. I would if I were you, yes. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about us lot. <laughs> I seem to have forgotten that there's a script today. I don't know why. Scriptitis. It's fine. Come on, Philippa, focus. Well, that's enough about us. Let's get on to the important bit, which is you lot, our lovely cordarinerers. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Richard, who's alarmed by Adil's antics. Hi, it's Richard from Lahinch in County Clare, Ireland, on holiday. Greetings, Dumpty Dummers. I'm calling in for a couple of points, mainly about the Grey Gables looming fiasco. There are so many red flags and in order. One is governance, who's really in charge. And clearly Oliver has some weight, is taking some decisions. But Ardell's being very mysterious and not sharing information about how things are running with a 40% shareholder. And don't worry, is not something an experienced business person of any size would put up with. Mentioned how hard it is to recruit, and yet is being most cold and unfriendly in his treatment of candidates. And it just seems extremely unprofessional. Earlier, he was portrayed as a rather sophisticated guy. And even if you're saying no to people, you say no to people much in a nice way. He didn't do that. But people have speculated about Oliver having got his money or losing his money. We don't know what share of the investment from the new investors went into the refurb and what share went into Oliver's pocket. But it could well be that he hasn't got that much cash. But I suspect that people who are arguing that possibly there's some trouble with the investors may lead to a situation where Oliver can buy them back and actually go back in charge. And much will be the celebration, amongst others, from me. Bye. Thank you so much, Richard. Yes, I absolutely agree. There are red flags there. Something strange is going on. Adil takes so long selecting individual cheeses and yet doesn't even have all the bathrooms done. It's very strange. One minute I think he's a money launderer and the next minute I think he's just a community allotment gardener. I, I'm fascinated to see what the story is. I do feel that there's something building up there. What about you, Q? Yes, it's all very dodgy, isn't it? Uh, for a start, I mean, it's taken a ridiculous amount of time, 18 months, and they haven't got the bathrooms done. And <clears throat> Ardil's trying to get Linda on the cheap. Well, she's trying to get her for free. And you're thinking, yes, what's happening to the money? Um, <clears throat> what is Ardil up to? And um, Richard's right. He's, he's always been a bit of a charmer, hasn't he? He's been very courteous. And all of a sudden, he's being a swine. And and this sort of Oliver never seems to learn, does he? He he got he goes out and recruits or does stuff or has Tracy come around for a party, gets ticked off by Idle, and then he 
goes off and does something similar again. You think, well, they have a strange working relationship. And the the, the, the whole feel about Grey Gables is that it, it's it's hitting the buffers, isn't it? The fact it's gone on for so long. And when are the gills going to be revealed as, as the true investors, I think, in all this? But so, yeah, Rich is on the money. I, I, we all got very suspicious, didn't we, when all that came out? And Richard, very keen, isn't he? I mean, he's normally, he gets about, doesn't he? I mean, he's normally in Poland and now he's calling in on his holiday in Ireland. So we do appreciate you calling in, Richard, and we think you are right. We do indeed. Yes. Thank you so much for that. And now we go on to Tracy, who has praise for Pip and Ain't Itchy this week. Hey, Tracy from California here. Okay, really enjoying the storyline right now. I think I, I understand Stella's apprehension about Pip and her being sure and also her being irritated about Pip trying to hide her away. That said, I really don't blame Pip for not wanting her mother to see her like gal pal fresh off of fiddling with her girly bits, you know? Like, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> and if there's something to be said for having a certain level of modesty, then it's okay. So I get it. And I don't think that that means Pip's ashamed of her. I think it just means that she's being kind of modest because it is her mother. I'm really also glad to see them working things out. I know it sounds weird, but I feel like we needed some some lesbians in average. <laughs> I'm always excited about a more diverse population. So I think it's really beautiful. And I, I love the thought of them being on the farm together. Like I said, I know that sounds weird, but whatever is how I feel. Also, now I feel like it's just time for for Amy to come back so she can declare, Chris, I'm, I'm having your baby or I've given birth to your baron or whatever they call babies in that region. I'm elated about Brad and Mia. I think they're adorable. And I hope they go away to uni together and then return to Ambridge to like improve the community by leaps and bounds. I'm hopeful that the writers allow them to sort of rise above that social class and hustler gutter snipe persona that the show seems to saddle their poorest residents with. So bravo to that adorable little couple. And yes, and also thank you writers for giving us a little bit of a break from Rob Landia because his voice just ugh, makes my back itch. So anyway, it's all for now. Oh, Tracy, she ought to write a, I don't know, some sort of thesaurus, shouldn't she, about all her all her sayings and what they mean. I mean, we've had some firsts. I, I, don't, I think that's the first fiddling with her girly bits on Dumpty Dum, Philippa, which is just a corker of a line. Philippa is blushing, as I can see, or is that just, it's a hot day, she's perspiring. Makes my back itch. I mean, fantastic for making us, describing how Rob makes us all all feel. And we we, we need some lesbians in Ambridge, I mean. Tracy, come on board. She needs she needs to be a scriptwriter. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying the storylines. There are an awful lot going on, aren't there? There's a, they're establishing a lot of storylines at the moment. Helen's return to eating disorders. We've always got Rob bubbling underneath. They've got Brad and Mia's relationship. We've got, obviously, Pip and Stella. So there's a lot building up here, plus what we've just been talking about, what's going on at Grey Gables. So it felt a bit random the whole week, I thought, but it had plenty in it. And what was nice also, I think we had, for once, quite a range of characters because recently it's just been the same old voices, hasn't it? And she, Tracy mentions Amy and Chris. I mean, those are two characters who were in our faces, weren't they, for ages? And when was the last time we heard from Chris? Can you imagine if Amy turns up and says, I'm having a ban, as Tracy was suggesting, that would be something. And I agree with Tracy. I mean, I'm no uh, fan of Pip. She, she, she just 
you know, drives us all nuts. But I, I understood why she was reticent about letting on straight away to her mum that Stella was the one who'd been there. Yeah, it was their first night together and it was all her mum burst in. Why does Bruce burst in? So I can understand that. She got a lot of flack, didn't she, both from Stella and also on social media for doing that. But I, I, I entirely understand because it's all new to Pip, isn't it? And I thought she knew that her mum thought that Stella was her best mate. So I thought that was explained the reticence. But of course, then Ruth on Friday night underlined to Pip that Stella was her best mate, which came as a surprise to Pip. Oh, blimey. And she's dumb, isn't she, Ruth? Why hasn't she? Can't she work it out? I better stop now, hadn't I? Sorry, Tracy, I loved your call anyway. But don't you think <laughs> that Ruth is going to assume it's Lottie? Because Ruth is as thick as as thick as they come when working out about oh, her daughter's Lottie, sexuality. The, one, the school friend who turned up the other yeah, week. Yeah, oh, so don't yeah. you think there's going to be an awkward scene? Oh, it's going to be awkward. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I think Ruth actually has a bit of a soft spot for Stella. Oh, which, yes. So I think there might be a bit of ooh, jealousy, you know, competitiveness. Oh, she's mine, you know. Mum, I didn't know you were a lesbian as well. <laughs> so it... It's, you know, Tracy wants lesbians on the farm. She's going to get them, I think. I was looking forward to hearing this night out with Ruth and Stella and Pip for some of the week. And then I heard it while driving back from the airport. Mm. And I was just cringing. Oh, it's awful. Oh, yeah. painful to hear from yeah. everyone's perspective. Yeah. Pip being drunken on crisps. Ruth just not having... Any idea of what's actually going on? I just don't even know how that's possible. Can't bear Ruth yeah. at the moment. And Stella just trying to cope with this declaration of love yeah. from Pip as well. I mean, my goodness, well, I'm yeah, looking we, forward to hearing the full Which is settling down. I mean, Stella's decided she wants to be a, a mere and be in love, hasn't she? So that's bedding down and Stella's less sort of aggressive towards... Pip and yeah, but more it was understanding. Very, Pip was very full on, you know. Oh, oh well, it's I'm just I'm piling on the makeup. I know, piling on the makeup and getting <laughs> dressed up. And I mean, that's what I thought. She wasn't. She wasn't piling on makeup. She put mascara on, and everyone well, was that's like, "Piling oh, on." That's piling Pip, on for Pip. Pip, you look so pretty. <laughs> you look so gorgeous. <laughs> what does that girl normally look like? Is she just walking around in overalls with straw sticking out of her hair? One allocation of mascara, mm. and she's transformed. Mm. Well, thank you, Tracy. That was a great call. And now we go to Jen, who has called in to have a pop at Pat. Greetings, everyone. Jen here, just having a quick vent about attitudes to mental health in Ambridge. And this week, inevitably, and, you know, I think very realistically, poor old Helen is clearly going back into a relapse of one of her mental health conditions, which would be anorexia. She seems to be demonstrating multiple mental health issues at the moment. You know, it could be triggered PTSD, goodness knows what's going on, but crying out for some support. And what irritates me is that Pat, who has now been through this with her at least three times as far as the anorexia goes, one of which involved hospitalisation, is still so unable to just call a spade a spade, get her to sit down, have the cup of tea, and instead of trying to force feed her boeuf bourguignon, say, look, I'm really concerned. The behaviours I'm seeing are, and it's time for you to to think about that. And it's time for you to get a doctor's appointment and it's time for you to re-engage with the clinic. And if you won't do it for yourself, then you've got to do it for your children because you are modelling shocking behaviour for Jack and Henry and it could impact on them. And look at, you know, you need support. Look at the outburst that you had with Henry. Look what it's done to him. And 
not just sit there and say, yeah, that's fine that you went on foot and one like that with Henry. That's okay. You know, we all do that, especially if we're having strain, but it's not okay. And it's a clear sign that you need to do something so it doesn't happen again. So yeah, I'm really cross with that. I'm really cross that everybody in Amber Tesco, hint, hint, worried about, oh, do you think they're okay? Instead of ever actually calling it out and saying, hmm. Think you're having a bit of a problem with your mental health and you need to get some therapy. Brilliant. And then Jen called in again the next day. Good evening, everybody. Jen here. Gosh, the dangers of midweek calling into Dumdy Dum. Good mum, Pat. Thank goodness. Finally, we had an open and honest conversation, more or less. And Pat broke Helen down and got her to call the GP. I was a bit worried there for a second. Pat was saying, oh yeah, we'll help you with it. Don't worry, we'll, we'll do this. Oh no, oh, they're not going to go for the professional help, but they did. So now the good old NHS Borsetter fairy can sweep in and show us all exactly how it should be done. And could anybody ever remember the fact that cousin Elizabeth had an absolutely sinkingly good therapist and maybe use her? That woman was phenomenal. They should all be down there. So yep, thank God the open decision was, the open discussion was had. And hopefully Helen will now get an awful lot of therapy and probably some medication and feel a hell of a lot better. Yay! Yes, Jen. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you for both those calls. They're super. What a week. I don't know. I just worried so much when Henry said that he thought Helen would hit him. I mean, my goodness, that's an awful image for a child to have. And then when she kept saying, I'd die for you, Henry, I'd die for you. That's that's a burden that a child shouldn't be having to bear. And I worry that she's sort of making him be an adult when he's not an adult yet. Well, I mean, I tweeted during the week, you know, the, the, the most grown-up grown-ups in Ambridge at the moment are Henry and Brad. They mm. seem to speak the most sense more than anybody else, I think. But, you know, what, Henry's 12. He shouldn't be having these discussions, really. But he's a sharp lad. I, li I like the way they developed Henry. Suddenly, you know, he used to be that creepy voice in the background, didn't he? And suddenly he's got a proper voice. He's, he's become very interesting. He's an appealing young man, actually, Brad, Henry. And I think he's becoming an interesting character. And, and I just uh, worry that Helen hasn't told Lee any of this. There's so much... No. For him to catch up on at the airport, instead of just a welcome home Lee sign, is she going to have a sign about three miles long? Welcome home, Lee. This The awful things have happened. Rob, Rob tried to get in contact. He tried to take our children. I've had another breakdown and this is all awful. Welcome mm. home. Taxi to the Institute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't know. I was one of those screaming at the radio this week saying, for God's sake, Pat, just listen. And others were as well. And thankfully, she did. And to praise to Pat for once, she actually got her act together and had a good constructive conversation with Helen, who acquiesced remarkably quickly. I thought I thought she would resist far more and, and deny that she had a problem. Interestingly, from Jenny's first call, I had forgot that Helen has, has had three anorexic episodes already, including hospitalisation. I'd forgotten that. So thanks for that reminder. And yes, the, the, the NHS fairy that she referred to, I mean, Liz was sorted out remarkably quickly, wasn't she? And Will got through his troubles very quickly as well. And Ben, well, thanks to Joy. I mean, that everybody should talk to Joy, really, because Joy appeared to sort Ben out very effectively. Although when Pip and Ruth said he's fine, ready to go back to university, we all thought, oh, God, no, that's the kiss of death, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, But I mean, yeah, a combination of Liz's 
therapist and joy, I think, will sort everybody out. Good on you, Pat, for once. She gets a lot of stick, but she did all right in the end. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jen, for those calls. And now we go to Jenny, who's raising the bar beyond Ambridge. Hi, it's Jenny Harris here from North Devon again. I've got a bit of a random contribution to make. It just followed, I think it was Stephen mentioned Nelson's wine bar last week, and it reminded me that I went on holiday a couple of months ago, or back in April, for my 60th birthday, to near Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge, if you don't know it, is the lesbian capital of the UK. And we went out for a meal to a place that was recommended, a sort of gay-friendly, vegan place called Nelson's Wine Bar. And we had a very nice time there. At the end, was chatting to the, the woman I think runs it, and she gave us some free little bottles of Prosecco. And I said, why is it called Nelson's Wine Bar? Is it anything to do with the archer? And she said, the guys who first started it were massive archers fans, and that's why it's called Nelson's Wine Bar. Anyway, I didn't know anybody knew that. What I thought was, I wondered if Stella and Pip, if they do stay together, Stip, I think we're calling it, if they went on holiday together, maybe they might go to Hebden Bridge and maybe they might visit Nelson's Wine Bar. And maybe Pip may have heard of Nelson's Wine Bar back in the in the mists of time. She might comment on it. And I thought that would like be really cool. Anyway, that was my little little random contribution on Nelson's Wine Bar. Love listening to Dum every week. Keep up the great work. And I'm loving Stella and Pip. Great to have a lesbian storyline in the arches, even though Pip is annoying. It's it is a cool storyline. Okay, that's all from me. Bye. Great to hear from you, Jenny from Devon. Fascinating. Hebden Bridge, which, as Jenny described it, is the lesbian capital of the UK, and as it's Nelson's wine bar, who would know? And it has a genuine link to the Archers. The as she said, the owners were massive Archers fans, so that'll be one of those things, won't you? You know, if if we go to Hebden Bridge, we'll all we'll all photograph it and put it on the Facebook page, won't we? And say, look at this. So I didn't know that, Jenny. Thank you very much indeed. I'm delighted you're enjoying the Stip storyline and we shall see how that relationship develops I, I think it's 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 there to last actually i think it's it's this one's going to run and run isn't it especially with the oh, with the ruth so. factor in there as well <laughs> and we shall all look out for nelson's bar as and when we visit hebden bridge yeah i've just finished reading a book based in hebden bridge by juno dawson so there you go it's a small mm. world we're all connected but yeah i love this reference and the fact that there is a nelson's bar is just Fabulous. That's great as well. And I completely agree with Jenny. I love Stella and Pip. I mean, I can't I can't believe I'm saying that I love something and including the word Pip in that sentence. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Unbelievable. But yes, Stella Mm. is diluting Pip and I'm here for it. I love it. I'm very happy about that. I guess I guess it being in the lesbian capital of the UK that it couldn't be Nelson's column, could it? Look so, at the face, folks. those are the first few calls. There are more absolutely brilliant ones coming up shortly. So hold on for those. Now, if you would like to contribute to this madness, you would be so very welcome. There are three ways you can get involved. The first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumb dum Don't forget the dum in the middle. The next option is to send us a WhatsApp voice note or message on 07810-012-881. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. Or finally, you can email us. Maximum of 250 words, please. The email address is dumtdum 
at mail.com. Do bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part and contribute. Don't worry about trying to write all that down now as we've provided links to those three ways of contributing. You'll find those links in the show notes for this episode. They are there now waiting for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Let's get back to your calls. And we have Witherspoon, who wants to talk about you know what. I'm not saying what you've written in that. Not saying it. No, I'm not saying it. You know what. No, you say it if you want to. It's your birthday, but I'm not saying it. Go on, you introduce it. Sex. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, P&Q and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here on a very hot and humid Thursday afternoon, 95 degrees Fahrenheit. I've just listened to tonight's episode, and I must say, I've been enjoying this week as it feels like a number of storylines are being set up. I'll comment upon a few. First, I'm glad that Helen fessed up to her mum. Some credit to the oft-criticized Pat for striking the right balance of inquisitiveness and support. I don't want the question of Helen's eating, is she or isn't she, to drag on any longer. Sounds like this relapse of her eating disorder has been identified early on and that she'll hopefully be getting the help she needs without a wait for services. Next up, Sykesy, the somewhat lovable curmudgeon. Is this just the way to usher him into the sunset? Certainly he could return to the laurels after a stint in rehab, but I'm glad there was a light shined upon the challenges of aging especially in the over 90-year-old cohort. And does trouble await Ben in some way about all this? I think so. Now I'll turn to Brad, Mia, and George. Much to unpack here. Sex. I'll admit it, I was surprised. Are BM now in for a bit of post-coital relationship discomfort for a while? Mia seems to be trying too hard. And it's clear that George has no friends and is desperate for one that he's going to successfully undermine BM. Brad is just too nice to him these days. Finally, and this is particularly appropriate with Philippa hosting, what's up with all the book reading? 
my fellow American listeners of a certain age will remember the riff reading is fundamental PSAs on television. I've posted one on our Facebook page. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Witherspoon. That's wonderful. Yes, it is unusual to have two couples in Ambridge actually falling for each other at the same time. So mm. this is something to behold. Although I never thought I'd hear the phrase buyer's remorse to be expressed about the word that I won't mention. But yes. anyway, mm. yes, I loved the book references with a spoon. Absolutely. And I applaud anyone who picks up a book and reads it. But I did feel slightly uncomfortable about all of this, as if we're supposed to be laughing at them. And that didn't sit well with me. It was too much, wasn't it? It was like like reading week in Ambridge. It was ridiculous. I mean, Emma's gone off to studying English lit and is picking up books. Tracy's picking up Chelsea's book that Chelsea wants to read. We had Linda admitting that she doesn't read books, but she just cheats by watching films and then we had Susan storming and saying I want my light rise of Candleford back why is it covered in spaghetti and propping up your table it was just like what's going it was Wednesday wasn't it, it was absolutely nuts books. oh I'm fine with all the book mentions it's just the people that are reading the books and and yeah, so how it's being point. portrayed it, it, it's, it's, it's yes it's the you know the, the common people reading books isn't it yes mm, mm. yeah it's, I wanted um, to love it but it just made me feel a little bit uncomfortable well it because it was excessive wasn't it and suddenly they all want to self educate oh, no. book reading's never excessive it's just no 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 but the, the too many of those those too many of the same sorts of characters were suddenly picking mm. up books true so, yes. yeah you're right. But yes, I agree with you. It was a bit sort of heavy-handed, wasn't it? Yes. So, yes, that's still bubbling away, isn't it? So I hope you didn't have too much post-coital discomfort, Philippa, hearing uh, Witherspoon talking about post-coital discomfort. Uh, they, seem, they seem increasingly comfortable about it, I'd say, Witherspoon. Initially they were, but I mean, you know, that's understandable. But I mean, they, um, they're getting it together now, aren't they? Uh, and... Uh, I agree. We, I was worried that Brad was still acquiescing too quickly to George. But Friday, we're singing you asserted Brad. And I like this new Brad. He was not being pushed around by George anymore. He was declaring his undivided love and attention for Mir in front of Mir without him even knowing it. And he's saying, right, I'm off. I'm off to uh, spend the evening with, with, with Mir and we'll sort it out with our parents later. So Brad is suddenly growing up very quickly. It's, it's nice to see him. I hope he doesn't spoil him. But, I mean, he needed to be more assertive, so I'm delighted to see that he is. And I'm enjoying his development as a character. Know. Oh, he no, is much I, more assertive. Because he George manipulated him into going out at night when he wanted to yes, see but, Mia. But he was not. He refused to have a, you know, get hammered. He refused, He just wanted apple juice, didn't he? And he stuck to his guns. He did not go and chat up those yeah, ash blonde girls out of his yet, And they would know in the pub that he's not. But I don't know. I'm still worried about... Brad ending up in prison because George has let him take the blame for something else. The last I heard, uh, oh, Brad yes. had said he was never going to be friends with George again, that he'd learned his lesson. And so every time George starts talking to him, mm. in a way, Brad is manipulated by Mia as well as by mm. George. Yes, but manipulated not in a malicious way by Mia. No. But, but Brad did behave differently to George on Friday. For the first time, he did sort of start to say no. That's true. And so I hope there's more of that. I agree. But George yeah. was still as awful as ever, saying some people seem to think that video I did of Helen was wrong, so maybe. But, you know, he still doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. 
but he's also convincing himself that he's he's, he's women's best friend, isn't he? You know, he mm. respects them and he can talk to them. And Fallon clearly has an eye, still has a, a eye on him because she touched his arm. We need to jump on and move on to Paul, who wants to talk about not talking. Hello, this is Paul and Only, and I'm calling on Friday morning before this evening's episode. I've been pondering how I call him in in the future because I generally find that if I wait for Friday, I then don't have time to get a message into you before you're recording. So I think it's P and Q this week. Hello, folks. So I'm going to start. The thing that strikes me this week is relationships with parents and not wanting to talk to your parents about things. And there's a range here. There's Pip being annoying coy, I think is a word, about not wanting to tell her mum, not wanting to tell Ruth that she's starting a relationship with one of Ruth's best friends and sweeping Stella under the carpet a bit. I and mean, we saw most of that last week, but there's yeah, there's still that barrier there for her. There's perhaps more sensibly Brad and Mia being very cautious about how much they tell their parents about just how far their relationship has now gone. And most obviously, perhaps, but the one where there has been a breakthrough last night is, is Helen talking to Pat about her not being in control. And there's been a lot of discussion on the Facebook group about this is a control thing with Helen. Yes, this is a resurgence of her previous eating disorder, along with the manic control. Let's just hope that having talked about that's the start of a breakthrough and she starts to make some progress. See you, my folks. Bye now. And hello to you, Paul, as well. Thank you for calling in. And actually, I think Thursday is a good call-in day, isn't it? Because there's plenty has happened and most of it has been established. So obviously you hadn't heard the Friday episode where things sort of settled down a bit more. But, you know, your overall point is, is true. Yeah, it's, it's one of those themes that was running through the week, the inability of parents to talk to kids and kids talk to parents, uh, that age-old thing. I, I, I said it earlier in the podcast, I, I understand why Pitt was reluctant to sort of spill the beans straight away, and I've explained that already. So I don't share your annoyance with her. I share it more with her not telling her now. I understood when Ruth burst in that she didn't want to tell her, but now, pub and all that, getting doled up with a little dash of mascara, she should be telling Ruth, and equally Ruth should be working it out. Brad and Mia, I mean, Brad was pretty chilled about it, saying, well, yeah, let's go back to my place tonight and we'll tell the parents in the morning. And, yeah, we were pleased that Pat got to talk to Helen. And I think we all don't want a long, drawn-out, where there's been mentioned it just now, storyline about another eating disorder. So we've... We're all relieved that Pat has staged an early intervention on that. So, yeah, I think your point is valid, but at least some progress has been made this week, Paul. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much, Paul, for calling in. It's great to hear from you and to hear your thoughts about the not talking. You're absolutely right. The other thing was when Chelsea was talking to Tracy and mentioned about how she needed a car and, oh, she'd just get a cheap banger. What about the cost of the insurance and everything? There just didn't seem to be that conversation and then possibly Chelsea driving the Riley as well. I was trying to Google insurance for young kids for driving a Riley, but I ran out of time with that, so I failed you. I'm sorry. Also, noisy cutlery. When Susan came in, they were having their lunch and the noise of the cutlery, it was like there was nothing actually on the plates or in the bowls. They were just jaggling this cutlery around that wound me up. I, I, would, I would readily hear jangling cutlery rather than squelchy kissing, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, 
That's true. Uh, My question is, how can Susan identify from a distance, it must have been, that the sauce on her book was spaghetti sauce? Because presumably it was like a red sauce. So you wouldn't know, oh, that's a spaghetti sauce. You might think, is that ketchup? Is that something else? Was she there on her hands and knees taking a sample and licking it? Maybe she knows Tracy makes a lot of spaghetti bolognese. But I don't know. But it wasn't spaghetti bolognese, it was spaghetti sauce. Honestly, these things don't trouble me, Philippa. Well, they trouble me. I know they do. And I really, for your own peace of mind, I think you need to let these things go (laughs) and just put it down to poetic license. Honestly, you'll have an easier life, Philippa. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Paul, for calling in. And now we go to Sarah, who's doing a number on Sykesy. Good afternoon. It's Sarah from Smethwick here. Just ringing in to say hello. It's probably I'm not dead because it's been a little while. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised at the maturity that Henry is showing, especially given the, you know, complete prats he's, he's been brought up with. Um, he's showing emotion, great emotional uh, insight, even cynicism saying things like, well, you know, even if somebody's dying, they can still be a bit of a git, which unfortunately uh, is correct. I've also got a question regarding Sykesy. Now, unless I'm giving my mind a treat, I seem to recall he said his brother was paying for his care. So where does this cheque for three grand suddenly come from? He's waving at Ben. And finally, <laughs> I really want to know exactly what colour Philippa went when she heard that that most holy of items, a book, was being used to prop up Tracy's wonky table. But we are having quite a lot of literary references at the minute. So what with Tracy and... Chelsea wanting to form their own sort of mother-daughter reading group. Um, Emma going all educating Rita, doing a GCSE English. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, literary references. Um, who knows? Maybe that's a, another spin-off for you to look at. But uh, with that, wish you well. Speak to you soon. And sure bit. Bye. Oh, Sarah from Smethit, thank you so much. Glad to know you haven't died. That's good to know. Ooh. And yeah. glad to have all your thoughts this week. Yes, what colour did I go when I heard a book was used to prop up a table? Well, it was a colour. It was an unfortunate colour. I was I was outraged that they would do that. I mean, why would you do that to a book? A book is something golden and special that should... Yes, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed at the number of times beef bourguignon was mentioned this week as well. Did they have some sort of bet as to how many times they could get away with... Mentioning it's a, it. It's a funny word, isn't it? Bo- you sort of get stuck in the middle, don't you? Boing-yong. You sort of bounce around the word, don't you? Yeah, it's a real throwback it to the 70s, times. isn't it? Beef boing-yong. Do you think Pat was just trying to make us realise that she can do something that isn't soup? Perhaps. Perhaps. But I tried to buy a copy of Lark Rise this week. Mm-hmm. I read it so long ago and I thought, oh, I'll read it again and be all up to date to record Dum Dum with Quentin. And the library didn't have it. I went round several bookshops. They've all sold out. So The Arches is having this huge effect. I was going to download it to my Kindle, but I just feel it's a book for me I need to hold to read. I don't know if that sounds a bit strange. Isn't it it propping up one of your tables, Philip? (gasps) No. Now, look, she is, Sarah's puzzled by how Sykesy has been paying for his stay in the laurels. Mm. And on these occasions, we have to turn to the ultimate authority on these things, Brenda Selwyn, who tweeted about this in the tweet along. And she has told everybody that he, Sykesy, said he gets 
local authority funding plus his nephew pays a top-up which allows him to live at the laurels rather than a cheaper home. Sounds like the 3K is his life savings. She then says, don't know why the nephew doesn't visit. She then added later on, it's been implied before the laurels is quite upmarket. Sykesy said early on he wouldn't be able to afford to live there if it wasn't for his nephew paying a top-up. It is the nephew's choice and his wealth isn't taken into account. So seems to be a combination of local authority funding and topping up from said nephew, not his brother. So I hope that has helped, Sarah, because Brenda knows everything, really. So <laughs> that's your answer. But delighted, Sarah, that uh, you're not pushing up the daisies and, uh, you know, keep phoning in. Yes, please do. And now we go to Catherine, who's checking in on Ben. Hi, everyone. Very suspicious about the Sykesy storyline. I reckon he's going to say... That Ben has been bullying the whole time. He wrote the check out. Checks? Who's got a check? I haven't written a check for, oh, I used them for quite a while. Three years? Anyway, he's in a care home with a checkbook. Um, he's going to say he was forcing me, he was bullying me, exploiting me. There's no evidence to say that, that Ben wasn't. So that's going to be interesting. Then they're going to wheel out whoever of the old ladies is Ben's grandmother. I can never remember. Um, and I don't know if she's dead in real life. I don't know. Going to reel out some old ladies to say, oh, no, my grandson wouldn't do that and that will disappear. Also slightly concerned by Stella and Pip, not because of the sex thing, yawn, yawn and the snogging. A mother who walks into the adult child's house unannounced, doesn't knock, just walks weird and then goes on and doesn't take the hint, does not think, oh, perhaps that's none of my business and goes on and on and on about the extra cup and this, that and the other. Um, Also the book thing. And, you know, I have had it on record. I love the young people. But too many young people. I want all the oldies to come back because there's, they've lost the balance a little bit. Have a great week, everyone. So do you, Catherine. <laughs> too many young people. Hmm. That's an interesting point because this has been rumbling a while, hasn't it? And uh, people are complaining about, A, the lack of characters and also the, the same ones are used all the time. And they've clearly been pushing the younger characters over several months now. And you do have to sort of take stock, don't you? Think, oh, when was the last time I heard from Lillian? When was the last time I heard from Jim? We occasionally hear from David. Or what about Roy? We're not hearing from, if you like, the hinterland. Obviously, Brian. I would like Brian on every every episode, <laughs> and I haven't heard from my Brian for quite a while. So, yes, I do think at the expense of introducing a whole raft of younger characters... This is at the expense of the older ones, and we need to rebalance, please. Quite agree with you there. Catherine, check, she's right. Who writes a check these days? It's rare, isn't it? It's... It made me laugh, though, when Sykesy said, what's unsafe about me giving you a check? Yes. Clearly a lot of your, yes. your hip. <laughs> how, how'd you break it? How'd you break it hip writing a check? Yeah, I, I just... know. Your signature must be oh, really it's... radical. Oh, I'm so... I mean, certain plots pivot, but that was one hell of a pivot. I, 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 checks, uh, Catherine was saying, who writes a check? Reminded me of the fact, you know, when, when do you ever go into a bank these days? There's a bank in Newark, nearby Newark. I, whenever I drive past it, I sort of quietly just do a little cheer inside my head because that's where I finally paid off our mortgage. So I always like driving past that bank. And the other day I drove past, it's no longer a bank, it's shut. Yeah, I was going to say, nobody goes into banks these days because there aren't any. I know. And Catherine, uh, she didn't. Normally, she says thingy, doesn't she? She can't remember somebody's name. Uh, the thingy you forgot this week, uh, Catherine, was Jill. 
Ben's grandma, and she still is alive, like Sarah. So that's that's great. And quite agree with you. I mean, it's outrageous. Ruth walked in the way she does. For goodness sake, take the key off the woman. But thank you as ever, Catherine, for phoning in. Always, always fun to hear from you. Yes, absolutely. I I hear what Catherine's saying about too many young ones, but that wasn't what made me uncomfortable this week. It's hearing Sykesy. I don't understand why he's there, what mm. purpose he's there to do. Mm. Is it that Jasper Carrot, who plays him, is blackmailing <laughs> the team at the Archers to be included? Because it sounds awful. It doesn't seem the point. And I would much rather hear... The established characters, as you say, they don't need to bring someone new in. I'm sure lots of the actors would like to be included. Well, I mean, I mean Carrot's a huge fan, isn't he, of, of the show, I guess. Um, yeah, we're all huge fans. We don't then get a part for ages acting the part of someone quite strange who I'm, breaks a hip I, at the sign I of a still, check. I still live in hope. We must actually also, <laughs> Catherine also raised the, she thinks that Sykes is going to claim he was bullied by Ben. I, I, I don't buy that because I think Sykesy is desperately affectionate towards Ben. I do, and in a way, as you said, he's his only friend. But will he turn nasty because he's going to lose mm. his friend and he's going to say, oh, look, he made me right to give away all my life savings. Ben, thank God, turned it down. But is Sykesy going to turn nasty? I, I, I hope he doesn't because I think when it works, he's not being a miserable old git, which he can be most of the time, can't he? It's actually quite endearing that 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 relationship at times. The exchanges between actually it's it's a bit reminiscent, isn't it? We there were some lovely scenes between Ben and Jill back in the day, weren't they? And this is oh, I prefer of, those to Ben and Sykesy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, but they're I'm a bit like that, aren't they? Obviously, Ben gets on very well with older people. Yes. So you get on with me because it's my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Before you're you, that old. Before you yeah. say that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. we'll we'll get you in the care home soon. Just careful about writing checks. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I've got a little envelope here from the laurels on my desk. They're already, <laughs> Marketing they're already pitching for me. <laughs> so those are the calls. Thank you so much for calling in. We love them. Do call in again next week. So on to emails. And we have an email from the lovely Sue who writes. Hello, it's Sue from sunny Staffordshire. I was going to call this in, but time just ran away with me. Glad the Pip and Stella thing is getting sorted. I get what is happening to Pip is, well, still happening to lots of people, but really it shouldn't still be a thing if people are gay, so what? However, what the odious and vexatious George will make of it and the havoc he is likely to cause, seeing how he likes women, I don't know. Well, they are all headed down the bull this evening, so it's likely to be lively. But please, scriptwriters, don't take us down the ugly, scary storyline like we've had with Helen and Rob. I'm exhausted by it. Someone a couple of weeks ago suggested he, George, could become a rapist. No, no, no. Anyway, that's my contribution as a first-timer. Hope you all have a fabulous week. Toodle pip, no pun intended. Thanks for, thanks for writing in, Sue. We'd love you to call in as well, but a great email. Blimey, God, she's right. I mean, she's right. I mean, it shouldn't be an issue. I think the it's not the issue that she might be gay. It's, the, it's how she's handling it, isn't it? How she's coming out or being forced out by Ruth. That's, that's the awkward bit, isn't it? I'm also, the thing that does great with me is that there's been no real build-up or suggestions or evidence at all, really, that about Pip's sexuality. I mean, suddenly she's out of the blue. She's suddenly announcing she's a lesbian. You think, well, where were the indicators? We did think a few months ago, was there something between her and Lottie, didn't we, as you suggested? But it has been sort of, I don't know, shoehorned into the plot 
quite heavily, I think. He hasn't been that signposted, I don't think. That's the only thing I would say about that. But when I interviewed the cast of The Archers, oh. just to go back to that special at the Hay Festival, oh, yes, yes. and spoke to Lucy, who plays Stella, one of the questions I asked was about who Stella might end up with, mm. because at that point we hadn't had it confirmed that she was a lesbian. Yeah. And I said, first of all, we thought Ruth, and then we thought Pip. Mm. So that didn't... Yeah. I wouldn't have just come up with that on my own without no, the but I, of I thought there were more signposts towards Ruth than Pip. Oh no! Nice. And I think that's where where it's going to get interesting because I think Ruth does have feelings like that for Stella. Yes, that's true. But I am concerned about Pip's alcohol tolerance because up till mm. this week she was able to quaff a bottle of wine and yeah, perhaps not make lucid thoughts, but absolutely fine back working the next day then on friday she goes to the pub and has one glass of red wine and she can't even remember what she had to eat she's saying things that she shouldn't be saying the, the answer is obvious but the answer is obvious she is intoxicated by love philip oh, not scampy crisp no have you ever had a scamp don't they mean prawn cocktail crisp and i agree with you sue we do not want a, a george rapist storyline because you know we've Still reeling from Rob and all that. That hasn't finished yet. So no, no, I agree with you. We we, we could yeah. well without that. So excellent. So first first time email, Sue, and uh, do call in as well. Absolutely. And now let's move on to Facebook. And we need to say an do to you too, Hev, Christine, Christopher, Sandra, Jill. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Ben's been keeping an eye from Shanghai. Ni hao, it's Ben from Shanghai here with a roundup of what's been going on on social media this week. And slow on the uptake has definitely been a theme with both Pat and Ruth coming into some criticism for being, quite frankly, a bit thick. Wondering why Ruth had not yet cottoned on to the situation between Pip and Stella after David's recent informing her that Pip had developed an interest in women, Pam Dulay noted that, of course, Ruth was also thick enough to have married David in the first place. As the week drew to a close, speculation began as to whether there would be a big reveal in the ball that evening, and would Adam and Ian be annoyed to no longer be the only gays in the village? Pat's slow on the uptake behaviour also came into some criticism this week with remarks such as, good grief, stop putting Helen on a pedestal, and was Pat really convinced by Helen manically threatening to eat a whole pack of biscuits, or was she just being subtle for a change? Meanwhile, some people in social media land found Helen's spiel quite moving, with Michelle Wright commenting that she found the scenes moving and noting that Helen's hanging on to control when her life feels out of control and she's embarrassed to admit in her own eyes that she's failed. Once again, without even featuring, the ripples created by Rob's abuse continue to stir emotions, with Kate Lyle commenting that the way people talk about Helen causes her to despair for real abused and coerced women. On to reading now, and it seems that the spaghetti-splashed copy of Lark Rise to Candleford that had been elaborately supporting the dining table in the Horribin McCreary household has started something of a reading group this week, with Jenny Lawson predicting that there'll be a rush on to get a copy and many others noting that you can pick it up as an ebook for as little as 99p. 
A bargain if, like Jenny Harris, you want to read along with Chelsea and Trace. The more analogue amongst us reached for our bookshelves, and Al Williams shared that she'd dusted off a copy that her mother gave her 40-odd years ago, and seeing her beautiful handwriting brought a tear to her eye. Anne Snowden suggested that we could probably do with having an Archer's Book Club, which is something that I think would be right up Philippa's street. Until next time, Tetian from Shanghai. Thank you so much, Ben. That was great. And yes, a book club group is indeed right up my street. And thanks, I should say, to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Now to Twitter, where you will find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archers hashtag, that's all one word, using a capital T and A. That means the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. As well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found with my bookish musings at QuickBook Review with a three, not a W. Your face, whenever you have to say that, Philip, it, it falls, folks. She's, she wants, she it's wants that W. So irritating, yeah, I yeah. do. You'll have to buy them out, won't you? Whoever's got that. Oh, by the way, I can be found at Thirteen Minute Man. That's one three minute man. So, who's on the Twitter podium this week? Hello, it's Fry here. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Philippa, Quentin and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Quentin, everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Twitter, in amongst a lot of speculation about where Sykesy could find £3,000 to give to Ben when his nephew pays his care home fees, there was some rather unseemly discussion started by Stephen at Wenlock House about what type of biscuit Helen would be cramming in to prove she's not an anorexic. I somehow feel Philippa might have something to say on this topic. I also enjoyed a thread started by Winston, Texas, at Winston, Texas, about how a table can be so uneven it takes an entire book to stabilise it. Why would the table fall over if the book is removed? And there was much discussion of whether the book was open or closed, and thus whether the spaghetti sauce was on the page or the cover. Frankly, the tweets were better than the storyline, in my opinion. So over to my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Bagwaller, at Bagwaller. It seems perfectly obvious that whatever apparently insuperable difficulty occurs in Ambridge, Henry and Brad should be called in to sort it out. The silver medal goes to Steve Brooks, at Steve Brooks TA. Surely Ruth just puts a dab of dip behind each ear before going out. And the gold medal goes to Zandel at Hinge underscore Zandel. Mum, would you like to come to the pub with me and the lesbian next door? Spit. That would be nice. By the way, I still have no idea who the woman is that you're attracted to. Hear, hear. Well, that's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter next time. Thank you for that, Purple Pumpkin. And congratulations to all who were mentioned in this week's roundup, but especially those medal winners. Uh, we had in bronze a Bagwaller at Bagwaller. In silver, Steve Brooks at Steve Brooks TA. And in gold, Xander L at Hinge underscore Xander L. Um, uh, uh, Purple Pumpkin did mention my, my nomination, if I can just slip mine in for this week, because it did make me laugh, was a guy from Jim Easterbrook at Jim Easterbrook. And he tweeted, did anything interesting happen at school? The roof fell in, which I thought was very topical. <laughs> <laughs> What biscuit was Helen cramming in care. when she was eating? I honestly oh, don't. I, I have them. 
No, I think it was malted milks. Easily eaten, not big calories, boring, yeah. organic version. Yeah. That's what I, but I'd be interested. Call in people. What biscuit don't, don't, was Helen coming in? People, don't call in. Please don't do. call in. <laughs> oh, well, that is me now. Don't forget, we're also on Instagram. You can find us at Dumpty Dum. Next week's episode will be hosted by myself and Katie. So contributions, as always, by end of play on Friday, please. Well, as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to our social media supremos. The whole Dumpty Dum team are amazing. They are. And we must say thank you to Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for being with us. I need to go and defrost Pat's beef bourguignon. <laughs> so it's <laughs> bye-bye from me. And I'm off to celebrate my birthday with an ash blonde totally out of my league. Bye-bye. Dumpty 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 Dumpty